Offense, play fast. Defense, swarm. Swarm and tackle. Attack. We get out block them. We get out tackle them. We get out hit them and hustle. It's real simple. You out block them, you out tackle them, you out hit them, and you out hustle. Let them know. Leave no doubt tonight. Leave no doubt tonight. No doubt. Welcome in. This is R.J. Bell's Dream Preview College Football Edition. I am A.J. Hoffman. He is Scott Seidenberg. And week zero in the books. Seven games. It was nice. It was an appetizer. <laughs> the mozzarella sticks or uh, maybe a, a, bu- a buffalo dip. Pot stickers? You like pot stickers? Oh, I do. You know what I like? Southwestern egg rolls. Okay, I like too spicy that. for you. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Very, very soft palate you've got. <laughs> uh, but we've got a full, full slate of games this week as we get into the meat of the college football season. We've even got some weekday games, so this is uh, this will be a fun episode. Here's the way we're going to do it: we're going to go through all the top 25 games, with the exception of the games where a top 25 team plays an FCS team because those lines aren't up. So we're not going to waste time talking about them. Uh, yep, five games right now with no lines on them. Uh, Tennessee State at Notre Dame, Mercer at Ole Miss, Portland State at Oregon, and, uh, oh, I believe there's uh, the Georgia as well. There's no line. UT yeah. Martin at Georgia. Southeast Missouri State, your college basketball team. SEMO, baby. At Kansas State. No lines for so, those games. So we won't discuss those games. If you came here to listen about those games, I'm sorry. We'll talk about your team next week. Uh, but uh, <laughs> unless unless your team is you know UT Martin and then like you're probably gonna have to wait till college basketball season. Uh, but we are gonna talk about the other top 25 matchups and at the end we're gonna go down and give our best bet our survi- our, our last man standing plays. Yes, uh, I'm already as out. You will. Well, the good news is you get five entries and the, the, the real contest hasn't started yet. That's luckily. the good news that the real contest has not started yet. Get them out but, of the way early. But I lost with Ohio last week. Curtis Rourke, starting quarterback, seven, uh, eight of ten passing for seventy-five yards in the first quarter, and got hurt. And they refused to put him back in the game, despite the fact that he said he was perfectly fine to go back in. Yeah, that's a tough. That's a tough break. Uh, but again, we we've talked about this. They're playing for a MAC championship, yes. not a national championship. Exactly. This game didn't matter that much to to them. Uh, I my my play got through. Jacksonville State outright was winner. A, a, a slight dog. They got there uh, without needing any points, so that's always a good sign. We'll uh, we'll get to those at the end of the episode, but let's start, Scott, with the Friday game. And there's been some big movement here uh, as we sat down to record the pod <laughs> here on a Tuesday night. Had some big movement in the Florida Utah game. Yeah, this game opened up Utah minus nine and a half, total of fifty and a half, and it ticked down to Utah laying six and a half, and the total at forty four and a half. And that's where it stood for a little while. And then tonight, right before we started recording, the board started lighting up, and. Money is pouring in on Florida. The spread has now gone down to four and a half. The total still at 44 and a half, but we have gone down from six and a half to four and a half. There has been no public announcement of anything. This could only mean word is out that Cam Rising will not play quarterback for the Utes. I don't want to be an I told you so guy. But I've been on, I think on last week's pod, I may have said mm-hmm. it. Uh, I know I've said it on Straight Out of Vegas. 
I know I said it during the Pac-12 preview that we did. Cam Rising was never going to play in this game. Like, <laughs> it's crazy to think that a guy would be eight months removed from an ACL surgery and just show up without practicing and go out there and play in a football game. It didn't make sense. And the truth is, for Utah, Utah's probably in the same boat a little bit as Ohio. Is They are playing for a Pac-12 championship more than they are playing mm-hmm. for a national championship. The, the likelihood that Utah's going to run the table, pretty slim. Uh, but they need, they're going to need Cam Rising for the conference season, you know, and putting him out there at less than, I, I don't know if he could even be 90% sure. out there, would just be foolhardy. And I, I think that this, this move, like, certainly some of this was already accounted for. Like yeah, of I said, course. I That's mean, why it went down from nine and a half to six and a half. But I, I don't even know if. I don't know what Cam Rising being out, like how much it should have moved the line today. Like Because, again, had he played, I mean, I think it would have been a very uh, a statuesque version of him. He wouldn't have been able to move, which is his best quality anyway. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. There may, there may actually there may be value on Utah at this point. I, I think if it goes down any further, I think Utah is absolutely the play. Um, I think Bryson Barnes is going to be fine. Uh, he appeared in 13 games for Utah over the last four seasons. So he's been around the block. He's only passed for 453 yards, five touchdowns, two interceptions, 64.9% completion. He has 21 carries for 126 yards. He's mostly played in relief of yeah. Cam Rising. So for him to get the start, you have to think of it this way. Utah has known all along what they were doing at quarterback. Yeah, this isn't a surprise. To exactly. Them. This isn't Kyle, Kyle Whittingham didn't go, oh, Kyle Whittingham. I don't think, I don't think Cam's going to be able to play. Exactly. Cam Rising did not go into Kyle Whittingham's office tonight and say, <laughs> Coach, I got to be news. honest with you. I'm not feeling up to it. I don't think I should. I don't think I can play. And he's sitting there going, What are we going to do? No. 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 They've been practicing with Barnes at quarterback. So I think this is a really big overreaction to Cam Rising, who's a household name. Yes, he's very good, especially running the football. I think this line is way too big of an overreaction. I actually like Utah in this one. They don't lose at home. Florida's going to be without their starting center and their starting defensive end, likely. And their backup quarterback's out as well. So if Graham Mertz, if he gets hurt, or he has to come out of the game. You're talking about a redshirt freshman now, Max Brown, having to play for Florida. I, I think Utah at home handles business. And remember that you know they have to travel. They have to. They had to make you know new travel arrangements yeah. because of the hurricane that's heading towards Florida. So they're already on the road for this game for Friday, uh, for Thursday, and it's a. It, it, it to me, you you mentioned his name. I hadn't even mentioned it yet. The drop off from Anthony Richardson to Graham Mertz. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody understands how great that is. Graham Mertz is so bad. <laughs> like, I don't. I don't know why anyone thinks that he's going to be like this big savior for Florida. Uh, I, I'm with you. I, I I'm not going to play Utah. Uh, I, I I have a ticket. I've had a ticket for a month on the under, mm-hmm. uh, which I feel even better about now. Yeah. Uh, so this is even though the the total didn't go down today with this news. I, I, I've got a, a nice chunk of CLV with that play. 
I'm going to hope that there's uh, there's ineptitude on both sides of the ball, and I don't really care who wins. I'll just let it let it be a rock fight, and I'll be perfectly happy with the way this game goes. I agree with you there. Uh, let's move on to Saturday. Number two, Michigan hosting East Carolina. The Wolverines laying 36 points, total at 51.5. This opened 36.5 and, and 52, so just a little bit of movement. We know there is no Jim Harbaugh coaching in this game, as well as the offensive coordinator, Sharon Moore, will not be coaching for Michigan. Yeah, ECU has one of the highest rates of turnover in the country, personnel-wise, not like uh, throwing the ball to you, yeah, yeah. but personnel-wise, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. And it's gonna it's hard for me to imagine them being able to move the ball against this Michigan front that just dominated everyone last season. Michigan won their three non-conference games by a combined score of 166-17 to last year. East Carolina was only blown out once last season. They lost by 39 late to, to Houston, but... Holton Aylers, who's been kind of the face of this nice run for for ETSU, he's gone. Or excuse me, ECU is gone, and I think this Michigan team is going to want to make a statement with Harbaugh and more out for this game. It's such a big number. It's outside of five touchdowns, which is annoying. Uh, but I, I lean to I lean to Michigan here. I also lean to an under. I, I don't think East Carolina is able to get anything going offensively. We have the trend that we gave out going into Week Zero in the first game of the college football season, if you are a non-conference home favorite of 30 or more after USC covered, the number is now 28-10-2 ATS since 2014. And I believe we're going to have it's like... It's on an 8-0 run right now. And I think we're, we're talking about maybe seven games this week that fit that mold. Mm, uh, possibly. I, so there's a couple of road big favorites as well, so it's got to be a oh, home okay, okay, conference. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, we'll see as as we go, but keep that trend in mind certainly. Yep. Uh, you you have a feel for for how this goes, or do you just blindly? I think Michigan, ride I think Michigan blows them out. All right. Yeah, I don't disagree. Uh, and, and and I like the over because I think Michigan puts up maybe fifty something by themselves. That, okay. Well, that would that would be uh, impressive yeah. with with Moore and Harbaugh sitting out th- th- this game. That'd be that would be quite it, a statement. It feels like an opportunity for other people to maybe call some plays and get creative. Um, I, JJ McCarthy's it's, it's the start of his Heisman campaign, and I think that it's going to be quite the show there in Ann Arbor. And it's a healthy Blake Corum, which they didn't have yes. for a good chunk of last season. Yes. So uh, some positive things looking there for uh, for Michigan's offense. All right, let's uh, let's move to the next game, Virginia. At Tennessee, how's this line moved? This game is going to be played in Nissan Stadium in Nashville, yep. home of the Tennessee Titans. So uh, a, a de facto home uh, game uh, for Tennessee? As someone who's lived in Nashville. How far from Knoxville to Nashville? Uh, three hours. Okay, not bad. Nashville, is, like, there's an SEC school in Nashville. Vanderbilt. People care about you Tennessee can, way can, more yeah. than they care about. And, and, and from Broadway, you can walk. You can't. It's a good. It's yeah. a good walk, yeah. but yeah. you can walk. Yeah, uh, you got to walk through a pretty seedy little part of town, and then you get to the fancy part the of town where Vanderbilt is. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's a Vols town certainly. Yeah. Well, this opened up twenty six and a half total, fifty eight and a half, and we sit here now on DraftKings Nashville. Uh, Nashville, Tennessee is minus twenty eight total, fifty six and a half. Tennessee is one of my bigger fade teams coming into the season, mostly because I don't believe in Joe Milton. 
at quarterback. Okay. This was a guy who was a failure at Michigan, and you know he his two games last season were impressive after Hinton Hooker's injury, but one of those was against Vanderbilt. He just doesn't fit the mold of a hypo quarterback. He he Hooker had a lot, had a ton of success on timing routes. Uh, throwing on the run. Milton has no history of that. So I don't know how if he just slides in and does it. He also doesn't bring the threat of the run the way Hooker did. And the problem is, I like as much as I want to fade Tennessee, it's hard to get excited about Virginia's offense here. They bring in Monmouth transfer Troy Musket to replace Brennan Armstrong. And he's never played against an FBS opponent. So your first time seeing FBS competition being against, you know, an SEC team. Not ideal. Uh, I, I'll lean to UVA getting four touchdowns, but I think both offenses underperform here. I, I think you're going to see early, especially you're going to see some high numbers next to Tennessee, and I don't think their offense is going to be as explosive as it was last year. So uh, I'll, I'll lean to the Cavs and the under. Virginia will be without Chico Bennett, their top pass rusher, and uh, starting safety Antonio Clary, also a game-time decision with a high ankle sprain. We move on. Colorado at number 17, TCU, and the Frogs, minus 20.5, total of 64, opened up with TCU laying 21.5, total at 62. So little money coming in on Colorado, and the total has been pushed down. Yeah, the narrative has been bad all offseason for Colorado, no surprise. Coach Prime. Uh, and for good reason. I, I'm not a believer in the approach. I, I think if, if Colorado sees results, from tearing this thing all the way down and, and starting over through the portal, I, I, it's more likely to be next season. That said, there hasn't been a lot of talk or a, a big narrative about the Frogs dropping off, and I think there maybe should be. Uh, they lose Max Dugan. They replace him with Chandler Morris, who just hasn't been on the field much in three years. Uh, they replace their OC, Garrett Riley, who left to Clemson with Kendall Bryles. I, I think it takes some time for the offense to gel. Um, I played this under... Uh, earlier in the summer, I talked earlier about having some good CLV on the uh, yeah. on the the Utah game. I, I went the wrong way on this one. I played the under this summer at sixty two, and like you said, right now it's at sixty four. But I haven't changed my opinion. I, I think I think the Buffs probably stay within three scores of, of TCU here. Uh, but I think that both offenses struggle a little bit, and I, I, I think it's a, an under game. I can see that. I just don't trust Colorado to do. I I think we all know they're going to be bad. Um, I, I just I don't trust them to score and put up big numbers. And I think seeing the total tick up could just be public, just being on them, just being on Colorado. I mean, Coach Prime, he attracts. He's going to attract public sure. money. And I think we're actually going to see some skewed lines on Colorado all season long because of Dion. And it won't be all season if he if he doesn't start covering them. Although, <laughs> if they have one good game. People will get excited. People Everyone's going to get excited because he's going to get excited. The press conferences are going to be on ESPN, and the public's going to buy into the hype. He's yeah. a salesman. Yeah. So we might see some overreactions to a decent performance. Let's go to Norman, where number 20 Oklahoma will host Arkansas State. The Sooners, 36-point favorites. That's Ooh. up from 33-and-a-half. Total is 58.5, down from an opener of 61. This would fall into the category of the 30-point home non-conference favorites in Game 1. What's funny is this is up from this morning, even. Uh, at DraftKings, I checked the numbers this morning when I when we started you know, putting together the my notes for this pod uh, and uh, kind of updating everything that I had. And Arkansas State was plus 35 this morning. Mm-hmm. So still money coming in on Oklahoma. And like Tennessee, it's a team I'm generally bearish on. 
but also like Tennessee's game, this doesn't feel like a spot where I really want to go against them. The offensive line should be improved from last season. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, who I know you like, uh, is in his second year in the system. The defense, I mean, has to be better than it was last year under Venables. You, you think that set year two of his uh, of his fingerprints start to show through. Arkansas State's just a really bad team, and it feels like they're the kind of team if they get down early, it could, it could spiral out of control on them. Um, I. I <sighs> 35, 36 points. Like, I guess I lean to Oklahoma. There's no way I would lay that many points with a, an offense that didn't do it last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I, I think this is an under spot. I think Arkansas State has a real hard time moving the ball against that Oklahoma defense. And uh, yeah, 58 and a half feels like a high number. That's where I would lean. I would lean under just because I, I don't think that Arkansas State, you're right, will score on this defense. And for all of the problems that Oklahoma had last year, what they really did well to defensively was tackles for loss. So they can get after the quarterback. They can tackle you behind the line of scrimmage. I just don't see Arkansas State holding up against the Oklahoma front. I think Brenton Venables probably not going to show a lot defensively, but these kids are going to be hungry to hit somebody else as their first opportunity this season to to play a game. And I could see the defense taking uh, being the elite unit in this one, not Dylan Gabriel offense, but Oklahoma's defense. Let's face it, there's a lot of people who are trash in Oklahoma last year. Yeah. Like, uh, this because is probably defense, a, yeah. a, an angry team. They've, mm-hmm. got, they've got a point to prove. Yep. Here we go. We got Utah State at number 25, Iowa. Iowa laying 25 and a half, total of 45. This opened up at 19 and a half and 43. And I have a bunch of questions on this game. Okay. Okay. One, we know that Iowa has a a new offense. Okay. They're going to open it up. Thank God. Yeah. They're going to open it up. They're going to pass more. And their offensive coordinator also has incentives in his contract where they have to average 25 points per game. Yeah. Like they need to score in order for him to hit his bonuses. Cade McNamara is questionable for this game. If he doesn't play, Deacon Hill, who transferred in from Wisconsin, is going to be the quarterback. Now, we know Cade McNamara because he was at Michigan. We know what he's capable of. And I like this Iowa offense with him at the helm. I don't know what I'm going to get from Deacon Hill in this offense. I can't comfortably lay 25 and a half points if Cade McNamara is not playing. Now, I like the total. I like the over just because if I was going to open up the offense some more and pass down the field, sure. But again, if you don't have your starting quarterback, I can't trust you. See, I like the under just because McNamara is uh, questionable. Uh, I, I don't think Utah or I don't think Iowa's offense is going to be some kind of a juggernaut, even with McNamara. Without him, I think it's going to still be meh. I think it'll be better than it was a year ago. Mm-hmm. It's still going to be tough. But Utah State, it, they're probably going to be one of the worst offenses in the country. And they're replacing four fifths of their offensive line, their top seven pass catchers Mm. they're do-it-all running back in Calvin Tyler they lost one of the best QB recruits they've ever gotten in their program's history to the transfer portal uh Bishop Davenport who transferred to South Alabama sounds like a high school so yeah so they're stuck with (laughs) Cooper Lega again who threw 11 touchdowns and 10 picks uh opening up against Iowa's defense uh which should be stout again after allowing Mm. 13.3 points per game last season it feels like it's going to be really hard for Utah State to score. This I may end up playing a, a Utah State team total under, uh, but with McNamara out and the fact that the, like you mentioned, the total has pushed up. Yeah. Despite the starting quarterback for Iowa being mm-hmm. questionable, 
Uh, it may be a game-time decision for me. If McNamara plays, I, I'll probably just look at the, the Utah State team total. Um, if he doesn't play, I may go with a full game under here and and just uh, expect Iowa to dominate the defensive side of the ball. And by the way, Utah State, who, like I said, may be one of the worst offenses in the country, mm. they get Iowa and Air Force, two of their first three games, like elite defenses. Yeah. They're going to look really bad early on. Iowa was second in the country last year in total defense and scoring defense. And what's crazy is they they gave up like a million points to Ohio State. <laughs> if they didn't have that game, we'd be like, whoa, this mm-hmm. what a, cr- a crazy defense. But yeah, that, that one game kind of skewed the numbers a little bit. But yeah, this is a, an elite defense, no doubt. Next two games on the schedule, no lines out. That's Mercer at number 22 Ole Miss, Portland State at number 15 Oregon. So we stick in the Big Ten and a rare conference opener for the yeah. first game of the season. Number three, Ohio State, 30-point favorites at Indiana. Total is 59.5. This opened 27.5 and 59.5, so the total has stayed the same, but money coming in on the Buckeyes. Kyle McCord has now been named the starting quarterback. I don't think that's a surprise. He has been named the starting quarterback for Ohio State. He has, but when you if you listen to the press conference today with Ryan Day, Uh, He said not only will Devin Brown get snaps against Indiana, he will get meaningful snaps against Indiana. And I think this is similar to what we saw last year at Michigan with J.J. McCarthy and Cade McNamara. Mm -hmm. They're going to give both guys opportunities early on. Until one guy establishes himself. Until one guy proves he's the guy. I'm sure that they would prefer that be before they play Notre Dame in week four. And then have your quarterback ready to go. They play Western Kentucky in week three. Maybe you want to have a week of him in there. Uh, but but that way, by week four against Notre Dame, you have a settled quarterback. They're not going to be rotating all season long. Uh, but I think they're going to let these guys play it out on the field. And uh, oddly enough, like Ohio State, one of the last teams in the country to announce their quarterback, Indiana still hasn't. Uh, and- it's going to be um, uh, Trace Jackson Davis's brother. Okay. Um, uh, Tra- Tra- uh, Tavion Jackson. That's what I was expecting. Yeah. Tom Allen said the decision was made last week, but he wasn't going to announce it. Okay. He said, I'm, I'm not going to tell you guys. Uh, but he told the quarterbacks, apparently, this boils down to me for Indiana's defense was just so dreadful last year, and there isn't much brought in that makes you hope for improvement. They were 119th in uh, passing yards per game allowed, 120th in points allowed per game. That includes a 56-14 drubbing against this Ohio State team last year. And Sure, there are questions at quarterback, but Ohio State has the best group of skill players, wide receivers, running backs in the country. Uh, I think they blow the doors off this overmatched Hoosiers team. So I'm going to lean to Ohio State here. I may actually play Ohio State at the end of the day, but I I like over 59 and a half. I I think that uh, Ohio State gets into the 50s by themselves. 28 straight wins over Indiana. Yeah, for Ohio they, State. I mean, whether they're going to win or not isn't in doubt. 29 1 and 1 since 1988. <laughs> since 1951, 62 and 2 oh my against gosh. Indiana. Uh, yeah, I think this is a. This is, is this a money line parlay piece for you? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lay the minus 5,000, whatever the, it is. The Fez with, uh, uh, with Purdue. Yeah, I don't even think there is. I don't think you can bet a money line on Ohio State. Uh, I think that this is going to be an ugly. This. They're going to do what USC did on offense, but they won't do what USC did on defense. Okay. And that is, you know, allow the opponents to score. So I think the seeing the total at 59 and a half, that's high. Can Ohio State put up a 50 burger in this one? I think the answer is yes. I think so, too. 
how much does Indiana score? We'll see. But I think Ohio, I'm not looking to play a lot of overs to be honest. Just yeah, the way of the thing. Yeah, I think I think I think this is one. This is a case where you can lay the wood because this could very easily be a 42 nothing game, a, a 49 seven yeah. type type performance. Uh, I think Ohio State is very capable of scoring 50, and their defense is going to play well. I, I'm okay laying the wood here. It wouldn't be like the first place I'd look for a game, but. I, I don't think this is one's going to be close at all. All right, let's look out west. Boise State at Washington. How's this line moved from the open? It opened Washington 14.5 and, and 58.5, and, and the number 10 Huskies 14.5 and, and 58.5. And no movement, we're saying here. No movement. All right, you know, is I. Is it just because Washington's boring? But they're not boring. They're yeah. not. I love this Washington team. Uh, I, I, I talked about them during the Pac 12 preview. I'm, I'm excited about this team. Led the country in passing a year ago, 369 yards a game. Uh, they were second in total offense. Boise is going to want to run the ball. I think that's difficult against this Washington front seven that returns nearly everything from the 28th ranked run defense last year. Uh, on the other side, Boise did a good job against the pass last year, 171 yards per mm-hmm. game, but that's against lesser passing offenses in the Mountain West. That's not against the best passing offense in the country. Uh, I, I think at the end of the day, Pennix just too much for this team. I think the Washington D is good enough to, to game plan Taylor Green and, and George Halani out. And I think Boise ends up being pretty solid this season. But it feels like Washington has answers to all their best weapons. So I lean to Washington minus 14.5. I actually like the under here, 58.5. Uh, yeah, I think Washington wins this one easily. Taylor Green's a running quarterback. He's not going to throw down the field and beat you. He's going to run. Washington will be prepared for that. Michael Penix is my Heisman Trophy pick. And uh, I think this offense, the offensive line's just massive. And they're going to be able to keep him upright. He's going to throw easily for 300 yards. I would play props over on Michael Penix. So if you're looking at his uh, passing props, anything that's under 300, I think he, I think he's going to get 300 in this game. I think it's going to be a big performance, a big season opening performance from Washington as they announce to the nation, hey, we're ready to go this year. Yeah. All right, let's go down to Texas, and this falls into our 30-point uh, home favorites. Yep. Uh, Rice at Texas, how's this number moved? It opened at 34 with a total of 59. It's at number 11, Texas, minus 35. Now, total has stayed at 59. I think Rice, let's start there, is going to be better than people expect, at least on the offensive side. Like Bradley Rosner and Luke McCaffrey make up one of the best wide receiver duos in G5. Uh, They're solid in the backfield. And JT Daniels, whatever you want to say about living up to expectations at Georgia or USC or West Virginia. like He's better than anything Rice has had at quarterback in a long sure. time. So it's, it's an upgrade for them. That said, Texas has all the weapons to blow the doors off of this defense. Mm-hmm. And Rice is going to be at a massive disadvantage in the trenches. The only thing that worries me about laying it here with Texas is the Horns have Bama on deck. So they might not want to put everything on film. Uh, that's it. I think they wear this Rice team down. I, I think this game goes over. Uh, I, I think Rice scores a couple touchdowns, and if Rice, uh, yep, if, if Rice puts up 14 points, I think that uh, that this shoots over. Um, so I, I like the over. I lean to Texas laying it. That's the where I was going to go. The over was the first thing that I circled because uh, I think Texas – like we've talked about with Ohio State and, and, and other schools, I think they could put up 50. And I do think Rice scores a couple of touchdowns. Yeah. And I would say that I don't like laying the 35 only because you mentioned 
Texas having Alabama next, this game is going to be well at hand, and I think we're going to see backups in in the fourth quarter of this game, which is could lead to Rice scoring touchdowns. Yeah. So I think I think Rice they might get shut out for the first three quarters. But I think Rice will find the end zone in the fourth quarter when they're playing against Texas backups when they're down by 40. And so the 35 might come in question, but I think the over is the play here because this could be like 42-14, 45-17, something like that. I think Texas will have the game in control for the first three quarters, and then Rice puts in a couple of meaningless touchdowns in the fourth yep. quarter. I think we see the same this game the same way. All right, let's look at Buffalo at Wisconsin, what kind of movement have we had here? Wisconsin opened up as a 22.5-point favorite, total of 55. The number 19 Badgers up to a 27.5-point favorite, total of 54.5. Wisconsin's got so much returning production compared to Buffalo. That this is like a complete mismatch. And this offense for Wisconsin, Phil Longo was the offensive coordinator at North Carolina. He had a quarterback named Sam Howell, who was good enough to earn the starting job for the Washington Commanders this year. That offense, first couple of years ago, had two elite wide receivers and running backs that found their way into the NFL. Then even without them, still put up production last season. And now this year goes to Wisconsin where no one is expecting them to do what USC, what UNC did on offense. This is a completely new system. This is an air raid system. The Wisconsin Badgers are going to throw the ball down the field, and they got the right quarterback to do it in Tanner Mordecai, who is familiar with the system because he comes over from SMU, former Oklahoma guy. I, I think Wisconsin's prime. They're going to win the West. And I think, I think they, are, right. they are a dark horse to win the Big Ten because they're going to be in the Big Ten championship game. I think they're going to put up a a lot more points than people are normally expecting a Wisconsin team to put up. So I look at the total at 54.5. I see them as 27.5-point favorites. Don't be surprised if you see Wisconsin score into the 40s in this one. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on this. I think bringing in Fickle and Longo is an an instant upgrade uh, for this team. Mordecai over Mertz is an instant upgrade. And they still have one of the best backs in the country in Braylon Allen. Uh, I, I think they're going to be incredible on offense this year, which is, and they still have all those big bodies on the line. Yes. Like the, you know, this is an NFL, uh, an offensive line factory. Uh, this could be a really dangerous offense. And Buffalo brings back Cole Snyder at quarterback. That's about it. Justin Marshall, Keon Williams, the two top two targets from last year, they're both gone. Buffalo legit could be a, a bottom 10 team in the country. And even last year's Wisconsin offense, which was putrid by comparison to what I think they'll have this season, blew out Illinois State, blew out New Mexico State in the uh, in the non-conference last year. I think they do it again here. Uh, it, it's Badgers or, or nothing for me Yep. Uh, on, on this one. So, all right, let's move on. Let's go out west. Oh, another big number. Nevada plus 38. Yep. At USC, how's this moved? This one opened up at 35.5, total of 63.5. Everything's been bet up. The number six Trojans, 38-point favorites. Total is now at 67.5, and and it makes sense. We just saw USC score 56 points in week zero. We saw them allow 28 points, so that game was into the the 80s. I think that people are expecting a similar outcome here in this one. Can Nevada score 28 points? I don't think they can. Like, this Nevada roster is so bad. And I imagine that – I imagine USC – there was a talking to 
uh, probably at halftime that said, hey, we got to be better than this. Mm-hmm. If, we, if we're going to really meet our goals this year, what we did in this first half isn't good enough. I imagine they come out with a much more focused effort against Nevada. That's just a Nevada team is just a kind of a disaster from a roster standpoint. They've got Brendan Lewis playing quarterback. He transferred from Colorado, and we know what kind of what kind of uh, success yeah. they had at Colorado. Uh, they lost their top three rushers from last year, and I think this is where USC having a game under their belt mm-hmm. really helps. Like the the fact that. Uh, like I said, I, I think you'll get a more focused effort because they kind of underwhelmed last week, particularly early on. Uh, I, I think Lincoln Riley can name his number, and knowing Lincoln Riley, I, I think he will. Uh, so I, again, thirty-eight's kind of the, it's the kind of number I don't really play. Uh, but if I had to play in this game, that's the way I'd do it. And, and I think over sixty-seven and a half. USC is laying ten in the first quarter. I think they have a 14 nothing lead. I think you're probably right. Quarter. Yeah, I, I, I think they explode on this team. Uh, no line out for UT Martin at Georgia or Southeast Missouri State at number 16, Kansas State. I think Georgia wins. Whew, you know what? I'd parlay that with Kansas State. Um, <laughs> let's, let's look at New Mexico at number 23, Texas A&M. This opened up Aggies, 37.5, total of 50. We sit here now. Aggies laying 38, total down to 49. Yeah, there was some initial questions uh, on whether or not Jimbo Fisher was going to let Bobby Petrino call plays. Like at SEC media days, he was saying that he they, they weren't committal to Bobby Petrino calling plays, which was the craziest thing I'd ever heard. What's the point of bringing yeah, why, him why, in? Why'd you hire the guy? Yeah, but now it, like they, they've made it clear he's going to call the plays. And that instantly makes me like the Aggies more. Like Jimbo Fisher running this dinosaur offense that he's run for the last several years. It just it wasn't going to get any better. Um, and New Mexico should be improved on offense. They they bring in. They uh, have to be. You know why? Because they only scored more than two touchdowns three times last yeah, year. They were dreadful. But they brought in Brian Vincent from UAB, who was displaced by the terrible Trent Dilfer hire. Uh, but they got new uniforms. It's, well, hey, that's a big deal. <laughs> and he brought his quarterback, Dylan Hopkins, with him. So I, I think there's an automatic upgrade for for both these offenses, really. And this total at 49 says these are the same two offenses that played last year. Yeah, and I, I don't so, think that they a are. very good point. Uh, so I think when you look at the offensive reputations, you think, oh, it's not a high-scoring game. But I think both these offenses are improved. Uh, Aggies have Miami on deck. And I could see them sitting some guys in the second half of a blowout win. Until I see that that Connor Wegman and, and company can run that Petrino offense, I'm going to pass on the side. But I think the total gets there. So I, I'm looking at the over 49 here. I like it. I do think uh, under Petrino, I think this offense does score. It's a new look that they're going to surprise people with. So uh, maybe they don't want to show it all out in week one, but I think it'll be fun for these kids to to open up this offense. And the talent's there. Yes. Like, this is a, this this program just consistently has top 10 mm-hmm. recruiting classes and consistently suck because Jimbo Fisher wanted to run like a, a offense from 1984. Nope. I, that's out the window. So I, I think there, there's real upside. And, and they'll have a him. massive advantage on the offensive and defensive lines. Sure. So the middle Tennessee at number four, Alabama opened up with the tide laying 37 and 55. It's now Alabama minus 39 and a half total down though to 51 and a half. Yeah, Alabama's going to be breaking in a uh, new quarterback in Jalen Milrow, and he'll get to do it against a defense that allowed nearly 300 passing yards per game last year. Uh, Middle Tennessee State, statistically decent against the run, but that's because everybody passed against them. Why, (laughs) Why would you not pass against them? The offensive line for Middle Tennessee is the big issue. If you look back to the Hawaii Bowl last year, they played San Diego State. Middle Tennessee ran the ball 30 times. They rushed 
for negative 66 yards. San Diego State was in the backfield every play. And if you think San Diego State is dominating you on the, on the, in the trenches, imagine what this Alabama front does. Uh, remember, the, the question like it was with Texas is Bama has Texas on deck. So maybe they want to hold some back in this game. But they should dominate all over. This is another game I'll probably look at a team total under for Middle Tennessee State. I don't know how they move the ball mm-hmm. in this game against Alabama. I, I feel like this this Alabama defense just swallows them up. Uh, but I, I do think that, that Alabama probably covers the number. Alabama first half laying 23-and-a-half. It might be my best bet. Okay. Because Alabama's going to have a 24-point lead going into the half. Uh, Middle Tennessee doesn't run the ball at all. Uh, they're not going to be able to yeah, the They won't be able to do it against Alabama. And if you're one-dimensional against Alabama, yep. good luck. <laughs> and and let's just look at what Alabama's done to open up their seasons. Last year, 55 nothing over Utah State, 44-13 over and, Miami in and when 2021. I, when I laughed at Utah State earlier, last year's team was way better than yep. this year's team. So yep. 55 nothing over last year's Utah mm-hmm. State team, nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, they they just they start out fast. You you have to go back to 2006, the last time that Alabama didn't open up the season with a double digit win. It's been a long time. So, all they do is they beat up on you early on. I don't know what the fourth quarter is going to look like. We know that the fans are going to empty the stadium in the fourth quarter because the game's going to be well at hand. They're 40-point favorites. I think they take at least a 24-point lead into the locker room. So I like Alabama first half laying 23-and-a-half. You can get that on DraftKings right now. Perfect. Uh, West Virginia at number 7, Penn State. This one opened at 18-and-a-half with a total of 50-and-a-half. The total stayed the same, but money coming in on the Nittany Lions. Penn State laying 20-and-a-half. Yeah, Penn State kind of one of the dark horse contenders in the title race. Not a lot of people talking about him, but uh, a lot of those expectations focused on Drew Aller, who, you know, Sean Clifford was a solid, you know, kind of a solid guy for them and consistent. Mm -hmm. Drew Aller has star potential. And when you look at the running backs behind him, Nicholas Singleton, Catron Allen, this offense should be really strong against a West Virginia defense that was outside the top 100 in yards per play loud. Uh, they were outside the top 100 in rushing yard per carries allowed. Like They're going to have their fourth different quarterback in five seasons under Neil Brown with Garrett Green out there. They, they do return an offense, all five on the offensive line. And the offensive line for West Virginia was strong last year. Uh, C.J. Donaldson will be sh- solid in the backfield. Green probably helps with the running game. I think when it's all said and done, we can see West Virginia put up a little fight. Remember, this is an old-school rivalry. These teams yep. used to play every single year until, I think, like, 92 or whenever whenever Penn State joined the Big Ten. Uh, but the the spread has held steady while the total has dropped. That, that makes the dog interesting to me. I, I like Penn State to start hot, take an early lead. Um, you can get them at minus 6.5 in the first quarter at DraftKings. I think they jump out to an early lead, so I, I, I like I, that'd probably be my favorite play on this is that minus six and a half. Uh, but I, I lean to West Virginia for the full game. I lean to the under for the full game. Yeah, I think turnovers are going to be a big issue. West Virginia was horrible last year in turnover margin, and Penn State was one of the best in the country. So I think Penn State will create a couple of turnovers, and that's how they'll pull away in this game. So um, I, I would I, anything under twenty one, I'd be comfortable with Penn State. If it, this thing gets twenty one or above, I don't like it. But having that clean three touchdown margin seems like you know something fair. Forty two twenty one yep. finish, something like that. Uh, number twenty one, North Carolina, two and a half point favorites against South Carolina. This game being played in Charlotte. 
Total of 64 and a half. This opened the total at 60 and a half, so it has gone up, and North Carolina opened as a one-point favorite. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, the total's been eaten up, and I think for good reason. Drake May and Spencer Rattler both trying to sure up their draft stock this season, and playing in this game will probably help because neither of these, neither of these defenses are supposed to be very good. Um, and both offenses should be legit. South Carolina, the last three games of the season, 44 points per game. That was against Tennessee, Clemson, and Notre Dame. Spencer Rattler started to figure it out late in the season. And UNC, they started off hot last season. Their first four games, 46.5 points per game. And North Carolina only returns one starter in the defensive backfield. Uh, South Carolina lost more than half of their defense. I trust Drake May more than Spencer Rattler. So... Gun to my head, I probably lean towards the Tar Heels here, but you know this total's skyrocketed up. I still think there, there, it's it may be priced out, but I think the clock rules matter less here because these teams are going to be chucking the ball around. Yep, yep. So I'd still lean towards the over, even at sixty four and a half. If the offensive line for North Carolina can give Drake May time, he's going to torch this defense, and I think Spencer Rattler is going to force the ball and try. So I think. Maybe it comes down to which quarterback makes the mistake, and I would trust Drake May not to make the mistake more than Spencer Rattler. But both of these teams are going to be fast tempo, throwing the ball down the field. We're going to get a ton of big plays, ton of chunk plays, and a back-and-forth affair. The spread, I don't want to touch a side. I lean North Carolina, but I'd rather just go with the total. Even at 64.5, I think we get a high-scoring affair here. All right, let's go to a game where I bet we have some disagreement on. South Alabama at Tulane. Where's this number at now? Where did it start? It started Tulane laying 6.5, total of 55, number 24 wave still at 6.5, but the total has gone down to 52.5. Common sense says, and you might disagree with me, you're paying a tax on Tulane. Yes. This team was 12-2 and last year. They were also 12-2 and ATS last year. They had the big comeback win against USC in their bowl game. They bring Michael Pratt back. Most of the offensive line, that's huge for them. They won't have Tajay Spears behind him this season. Correct. So teams won't have to key in on the run as much as they did a year ago. And South Alabama, one of the only teams in the country to return their leading passer, rusher, and receiver. I think these teams are a lot closer on paper than people think. I'm pretty bullish on South Alabama. I'll wait to see if I can get a seven on Saturday. If I do get a seven, South Alabama will make my card. Uh, I also lean to the under. Uh, I think this, uh, this, both these teams probably, uh, I, I think this is one of the games where the clock does, like the new clock rules do matter. So I, I would lean to the under in this game. But what, what do you see here? Uh, Tulane last year, top 30 in the 31st in the country in yards per game. Is that offense going to be the same this year? I don't think it can be. Without Tajay Spears. Yeah, I don't think it can be. I, mm-hmm. I think people underestimate how valuable that guy was to their offense. And, I mean, you could say, well, the offensive line's back, the quarterback's back. Can, can you replace a, a, a running back like that? I don't know. I don't know if Tulane can. If they can control the possessions, which I think is why this total has gone down, because I think that's what Tulane wants to do. Their defense didn't play a lot last year. They were one of the fewest snaps in college football because they controlled possession and I think that's the type of game that they play so if they continue to do that if they limit the possessions for the opposition yes I would lean Tulane laying the six and a half but I do like the under we might have lost the value on that at 52 and if it goes lower I certainly don't like it but I do think that 
Tulane's style of play, which we saw last year with the just how long that they held possession for and the limited amount of time their defense was on the field, uh, I think that's the reason why I would I would lean towards the favorites here. No interest. I have no interest in the dog, really. All right, let's move on to Sunday. Yes, two games on Sunday. Number 18, Oregon State, 16.5-point favorites at San Jose State. Total of 55.5. That's right where this thing opened. No movement. I think most people are looking at last weekend's game against SC and thinking, man, this San Jose State offense is legit. And it might be. Oh, I'm looking at it the other way. Okay. I'm looking at it, man, this San Jose State defense won't be able to stop anybody. Well, first of all, they're playing against the best defense in the Pac-12 from a year ago, which Oregon State was, mm-hmm. a lot different than playing against USC's defense. <laughs> uh, Oregon State is going to run the ball on everyone this year. And DJ Uyunglele has looked phenomenal uh, in, the, in the preseason stuff. Like, I, If he starts to live up to expectations, this Oregon State team is a real, real dark horse. Uh, I think they're going to have their way offensively with San Jose State, but they are not going to play fast. They're going to control the clock. They're going to grind out possessions, and they are go- th- this new clock is going to be, a, a, you know, it's going to be a factor here. Uh, the running clock will be a factor in this game. It, it, to me, this is a game that would have gone over a year ago. I don't think it does on Sunday. Uh, I lean to Oregon State at minus 16.5, but I like the under 55.5 here. I, I think that they grind this thing out. Yeah, I like the under as well. Um, I just don't think that the the play the shot plays that Cordero was able to get against USC are going to be there against Oregon State. You mentioned Oregon State running the football. They should be good with that as well. Caleb Williams threw for almost 300 yards. Well, I'm not asking DJ to throw for over 300 yards here. Think about how fast USC plays. Yeah. You're going to have, like, San Jose State's going to have way fewer possessions in this game mm-hmm. than they did against USC. So less chances to score yeah. offensively, clearly. Um, if DJ can be the player that he was when he played against Notre Dame in that one game, Oregon State's going to be a contender for the Pac-12. I agree. Um, I think that, you know, you, look, you're starting off on the road and you're playing a team that has already played a game. That does not make me want to back you right. as a 17-point favorite. But I do think the under is the way to go in this game. I think Oregon State probably wins this, you know, 35-17, to 17, something like that, 35-14. to 14. All right, let's take a look at the game of the week. On Sunday night. Yes, being played in Orlando. Number five, LSU, two and a half point favorites against number eight, Florida State. Total is 56 and a half. So slight movement towards LSU. They were a two point favorite. Slight movement towards the over because it was 55 and a half. God, this is going to be such a good game. Uh, both these teams exceeded expectations last season, and I think they're both improved from week one last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think this boils down to both these teams want to run the ball. LSU's going to have to stop the run without Mason Smith, who's a key guy in the middle of their defense, the defensive tackle who's suspended for like illegal autograph signing, which was like a couple days before <laughs> the NIL rules kicked in, which is garbage. But LSU's going to be terrific at linebacker. Again, they're probably the better run defense of the two teams. Florida State returns a ton on offense. They added Keon Coleman from Michigan State, Jaheim Bell, who's gonna, like an NFL tight end. They add him from South Carolina. I think this game comes down to who wins in the trenches. 
I think both teams are going to come up with big stops, but I think LSU gets it one when it when it counts. I, I'm going to lean towards LSU minus two and a half. I think this is a field goal game either way. I was just about to say anything north of a field goal, take the dog. Anything less, I take LSU. But I like the under here, under fifty six and a half. I, I think that this is a this is a rock fight game. I think we're going to see some old school smash mouth football here. Uh, with teams trying to establish the run. And again, the moving clock plays a factor. There's a lot of people that are high on Jordan Travis this year, like picking him to win the Heisman Trophy. Uh, And I feel like going into this game, that's the conversation about this game is Jordan Travis at quarterback. Do not disrespect Jalen Daniels. No, yeah, do I not think this disrespect Jaden Daniels. I think both these quarterbacks are great. I, yes. I, I think this is going to be a fantastic game. Because he's going to be able to run the ball and create plays with his legs. And so if the the, the pass rush for Florida State is going to try and get after him, he's going to make something happen out of nothing. And last year, Florida State won this game. It felt like maybe they were fortunate to get out of there with a win. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it swings the other way this year. It's going to come down to, I think, the, the final field goal. So I would lean LSU minus two and a half. This thing gets to three or even three and a half, which it probably won't. But if if, if you told me it was three and a half, I'd take Florida State. Two and a half, I like uh, LSU. All right. And Monday, we have one game on Monday. Number nine, Clemson, 13-point favorites at Duke. Total is 55 and a half. This has gone up from Clemson laying 11 and a half at open, and the total has gone down from 58 at open. Yeah, this game features two of the quarterbacks I'm looking forward to watching the most this season. Like, can Cade, can Cade Klubnick live up to the hype that DJU was unable to? Uh, and return this offense to to championship level. Uh, is Riley Leonard really the the stud NFL prospect that everyone seems to believe he is? Here's what I know: Clemson's defense is going to be elite again. It's right there with Georgia. It's right there with Michigan. It is one of the best defenses in the country. They've got NFL guys all over the line. They're going to make it difficult for Leonard to get out of the pocket mm-hmm. and beat him with his legs. I'm not going to trust Clemson laying a big number on the road until they prove it to me, until Klubnik p- proves it to me. But I am going to be on this under 55 and a half. I-, I think the Clemson defense dominates the day. I think what Clemson does offensively is to be determined. Uh, but I- I'm, I'm going to say that they do get the job done here defensively, and this is, a, this is a, an under game. Wait on this total. Because this is a Monday night standalone game. That's true. The NFL has not started yet. We have Monday night football on ESPN. Bum, 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 bum. Clemson against Duke. After what went down all weekend, watching college football, you had the two games on Sunday, lots of fun. Monday night standalone game. This total will go up from 55 and a half. Because the public will be on it. Might be right. And then you take the under. Because I'm with you. I think Clemson's defense doesn't allow Duke to score more than two touchdowns. And I think Clemson will probably get into the 30s. Uh, But I think Clemson wins this one. I like Clemson to cover. Two touchdowns is a lot. It's under two touchdowns. So I feel good with the 13. But the better play for me is the under. It's at 55 and a half. Now, if you had the 58 at open, congratulations. Great job. But I think this thing ticks back up because of the standalone primetime nature of this game. Okay. Don't disagree. All right. It is that time. Uh, I guess we should give out a promo code before we get to our our best bets. Yes. If you go to pregame.com, you can use the promo code PRIME20. Coach Prime. That's right. And you know what? 
None of y'all going to be here. Uh, <laughs> Prime 20 will get you 20% off at pregame.com. You can get a daily best bet package. Maybe you just want to get uh, the weekender so you can get your favorite pregame pros, all college football plays just for this weekend. You get a weekend all access. Maybe you want a seven-day all access. Or just get the entire season and never miss a pick from your favorite pregame pro and take 20% off that purchase using the promo code PRIME20 at pregame.com. I already kind of gave out the best bet with that Alabama first half, but I'll let you start on, because we're not going to do totals here. Can't do totals, and you can't do a first half bet on a uh, last I, I man understand, standing. and that's what the last man standing was. Now, I will give you a total that I do like, and this is like a bonus play, but Hawaii against Stanford. This total ticked up to 61 at Circa, and that's when I hammered it. Hammer. Hammer's a relative term. I got on it at 61. It's now down to 59. There's 20-mile-an-hour winds projected for Friday night in Honolulu. Okay. Not going to be good for a team in Hawaii that doesn't run the ball, and all they want to do is pass the football. Nothing's good for a Stanford offense. That and nothing's good for a Stanford offense. offense. So I took yeah. the under 61. I still like the under 59, but you lost uh, some of the value there as the number ticked up because people were excited about Hawaii's performance against Vanderbilt. So that's my total. I've already given you my first half. You give me your side for last man standing. I'm going to go with Louisville, minus 7.5 against Georgia Tech. Louisville! Louisville. Uh, they finally got the coach they wanted in Jeff Brom, and they he got a quarterback who already knows the system in Jack Plummer, and those are nice things, but I think they're going to run the ball all day against this Georgia Tech team. Uh, Jawar Jordan averaged 5.7 yards per carry last year. He's got the feature rolled to himself now. And they'll likely get what they want against this Georgia Tech defense. 4.7 yards per carry allowed last season. That's 99th nationally. 196.3 yards per game. That's 109th nationally. On the other side, Georgia Tech's transitioning to a new offense. No more option. This is like they're trying to play real football at Georgia Tech. They've got a new quarterback as well, Haynes King, transferring in from Texas A&M, where he played in another really terrible offense. Expect more of the same. Uh, I think Georgia Tech has a hard time moving the ball in this game against a Louisville defense that was top 20 in yards per game allowed. I think Brom wants to go out and make an impression, put up a big number his first game as head coach. I like Louisville minus 7.5 here. I had a game all prepared to, to give out, AJ, and uh, to be fair, I'll, I'll just give it out right now. It was Cal over North Texas, Cal laying 6.5. Um, but I'm pivoting, and I'm going with Utah. What we saw tonight is a complete overreaction. This line, I, I get it. The opener was too big at nine, nine and a half. Six and a half felt reasonable because there was so much uncertainty with Cam rising at quarterback. But to now move from six and a half down to four and a half, the time now is to buy back on Utah because. Utah, like we talked about earlier in this podcast, knows more than anybody the health status of Cam Rising. Yep. We joked about it. Cam Rising didn't go into Kyle Whittingham's office and say, Coach, I don't think I can play on Friday. No. (laughs) No. This has been known. They have been preparing with Bryson Barnes as their starting quarterback. This is a team that doesn't lose at home. This is a team that dominates in the trenches. And I think we are going to see Utah dominate the game on the lines. I think Bryson's going to be fine. 
We know he can run the football. He's run it a little bit, maybe not as well as Cam Rising, but I think the offense will work just fine. And I think that we see Utah win, win by a touchdown, maybe even win by double digits. And everyone who sat here going, oh, but but Cam Rising's not playing, so now we have to back Florida. I think they're going to be in for a rude awakening. It's nice to jump on information and to uh, you know take advantage of stuff that's leaking out that's not widely known for the public. And yes, we love closing line value. We love CLV. So if you're sitting here with a, a Florida plus six and a half ticket and you see the line is now four and a half, great. Great. That's you're you're very happy about that. Well, especially if you got it on the other side of the seven, you feel great. Yeah, you're 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 very happy about that. But Utah does not lose at home. This crowd will be in it. The atmosphere will be great. Kyle Whittingham has the coaching edge. This Utah team, so disciplined, they'll get the job done. The offense will be completely fine with Bryson Barnes at quarterback. And I think this is way much, uh, way too much of an overreaction. So if you're going to give me more points, like I'm saying, go from six and a half down to four and a half, shoot, I'll take it. This would be very interesting next week because next week we, we're going to actually start the last man standing contest. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what the number posted on the last man standing would be, how people would try to take advantage. Well, of that, yeah, because it will be a what sale we've number. seen like if well, it depends when they come out. It depends right. when the numbers come out because we saw that last year and a lot of times last year in the William Hill contest we were um, I don't want to say forced, but morally obligated to take advantage of closing line value. I mean, you see on the contest sheet, a team is a nine point dog when actively you can only bet them as a four point dog. We're sitting here going, Hey, we're clearly going to take those five points. And then most of the time it just didn't even matter because they lost by double digits anyway. But (laughs) I think it would be interesting to see what this game would be listed at in the last man standing. Would I take Utah minus six and a half? I probably would. Yeah, I probably would. I think you'd probably look somewhere else. Maybe. I, 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 I think, don't think you'd want to give away two points. I, I wouldn't want to give away. Yeah, you're right. I wouldn't want to give it away. But playing playing at home, revenge off of last year, I, I just like this Utah team. And I'm not I'm not big on Florida. I, I'm not all. fighting against you on this. So I, I think, and again, I'm, I'm hoping for a rock fight game. Uh, so I'd be happy with a 7-0 win for you. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the College Football Dream Preview. Thank you guys for tuning in. Scott, thank you, as always. Uh, Thanks to McKenzie and Sleepy on the back end. And uh, we will be back every week, Tuesday night. That's the new night. We're going to be here Tuesday night into Wednesday morning for the release. Uh, The big dream preview will be on Wednesday nights into Thursday morning now. So be on the lookout for it. Make sure you're subscribed. Uh, And if you're not subscribed or you're not getting an updated feed, Just search R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. See what has the most updated episodes. Make sure you're following that feed uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Scott, thank you very much. We will talk to you guys next week.